Well, good evening, everybody here and those online. Welcome, welcome. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm excited to get to be with you guys this evening. I'm excited for the word uh, and want to start with Merry Christmas. Um, it is almost here. Who's ready for Christmas? All right, and those online, you can go ahead and type it in. Who still has shopping to do before Christmas? Uh, a few of you guys. How many of you has, have, are waiting for stuff to arrive in the mail, but it's already on order? And who's just got a pile of stuff they still have to wrap? Yeah, yeah, like they're, they were all over the board. No, and I know a lot of you guys have been doing a bunch of shopping, some of it in physical stores, a bunch of it online. Some of you guys are hoping that your spouse is doing some shopping um, <laughs> online. But I was thinking about it, and it's different. When I was a kid, it was the best because the person buying the gifts had a lot more money than me. And so it was awesome. And you're like, yes, now if my wife buys me an awesome gift, she spent my money. Like it's just, <laughs> it changes the, the dynamic. And, and I got thinking, I'm like, when, when did this happen? When did I, like adulting, like it sneaks up on you. Like they're supposed to be like ages where it happens, but it's not. Like I just remember being the kid at the kid's table and then I blinked and then I had kids at the kid's table. And I'm like, when, when did sitting on the couch for five minutes go from being time out to being a break. Like, I just don't know, but things just happen. They shift. But I, but I say that because the way, sometimes we forget, but when we, we look at Christmas, when we look at this time of year, for so many, there's this hope and there's this expectation of what might be. And, and they, they look and and, you know, your, your kids, they're underneath the tree and they're looking and they're like, there's something, it's wrapped. And they, okay, when I, when I was a kid, we picked it up and we shook it. Like, if you weren't, if they, you couldn't shake it, you had to write, like, do not shake on it. Because otherwise, that was the game, was can I figure out what's in the box without taking off the wrapping paper? When we first got married, it drove my wife crazy. Because one year, like, we gave each other a stupid amount of gifts because we, uh, we decided it was fun to wrap or to unwrap presents. So it wasn't just like, hey, here's a fun gift. It was like, you know what? You need socks. You know what? We're going to have to buy salad dressing that you really like anyway. So I'm going to wrap. So everything like ended up underneath the tree. So it was just this massive pile of presents for the two of us. But like I guessed everything. I picked it up. and I'm like, hmm, squish, squish. It's cotton. Undershirt. Socks. She's like, how do you know? Like, this is just what we, what we do growing up. But like, it was this, this guessing game of can I guess what's in the present? But, but there's this hope of maybe I will get this thing that I've been desiring and longing for. And this, this desire and this hope is very different than now as the adult. And I'm doing a lot of the ordering of things. And then I get like an Amazon like tracking number. Um, Okay, there's a different expectation over here than there is over there. Over here, I'm, uh, they're, they're hoping and they're desiring for what might possibly be. And if at the end of the day, they unwrap all their presents and it's not there, bummer, right? Like when you, when you get what you get, whether it's what you wanted or not. But if you're over here and you've ordered it and you have a tracking number, you're waiting and you're anticipating. If it doesn't show up, you don't just sit there and go, oh, bummer. No, you're out there and you're like on the phone or you're trying to 
contact their support and you're like, why don't they have someone who answer their phone? And they got, they got all these digital things you open up and it's, you, know, you call them up and it's just like a phone tree that leads you in circles. And you're like, no, I have a tracking number. I have an order number. This is mine. And you're ready to put up a stink because you have a promise that something is yours. These are different. There's the, there's the desire for what might be and then there's the, the this is mine. Well, God's promises are paid for. God's promises are ours, yet we often treat them like our wish list. We look and go, hey, did I get this thing that was on my wish list? I desired it. I wanted it. Is it going to come? I asked Santa. I mean, no, I asked God for it. But we have this, this, like, this low level, almost like a kid in Santa just going, well, I asked, well, maybe. And he goes, no, 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 this is, this is like you have your tracking number. You have a receipt. And if it doesn't show up, you see here and you go, ha ha, wait, wait a second. I ordered, here's my order number. I ordered it. Why hasn't it arrived? It hasn't showed up. And you're looking and you're going to fight for what you've paid for, what's yours. And see, when we, we look at these promises, God looks at them differently than we do, which probably means we should be looking at them differently. When I, I was reading this last time through Revelation, I noticed something in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. It goes through and he, Jesus is, you know, there's this, this vision and there's like all these things that are going to happen. Like this is crazy. This covers the end times. This covers God's return. He talks about when he, there's a new heaven and a new earth and God comes down and he's with man and, and man's with him. He'll be their God. They'll be his people. There'll be no more uh, sorrow, no more death, no more mourning. He's going to wipe away every tear and there's all this different stuff. I'm like, this is awesome. I am looking forward to this. And then he says, um, in the Passion Translation, it says, then he said to me, it has been accomplished. In the ESV, it says, it is done. And I thought, are you sure? Because I look around, and everything that you just said is going to happen. And you just said, it has been accomplished. And I may not be the grammatic king of the world, uh, this may be an understatement. My wife corrects my grammar. Or like, it, I can speak great. My typing, it could use some more Jesus. But I can tell you this. It has been is past tense. I'm like, how is it that you can see these things and you declare them as has been accomplished? And then I'm, I'm asking for some of these things in the the wrong way. And I'm looking at this, and then in Revelation 13, 8, it says, that all who dwell on the earth will worship, worship him whose names have not been written in the, um, it goes on, because, but it talks about the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. You're seeing it accomplished before we even started. And this like, so this like grabbed hold of my head and it just had me, my head spinning. I don't know if you ever read your Bible and have your head kind of spin. If not, read it more. And it's just, it's just part of it where sometimes it does, it just kind of messes with it. I'm like, okay, so what does this, this mean? And then this week, 
uh, no, sorry, two weeks ago. Went to Sunday morning service. It was a great service. I went home and I got a headache, which is really weird for me. I don't get headaches. Um, if I get a headache every year, that's really common. Um, like that's, that's pushing it. Unless I've been drinking a whole lot of caffeine and then I stop, then, then you might get one. But otherwise, like headaches, I just, being sick is overrated. I don't get sick. It's just not fun. So I got a headache and I'm like, wow, this is weird. And we're getting ready to come back to church because it's Sunday night. And Amanda's like, you know, you're probably not supposed to go because I was just kind of looking a little funny. She's like, you, you probably shouldn't go. Like headache is a COVID symptom. Like you're probably considered rude to go in with a headache. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But breathing is considered a COVID symptom. Almost everyone who has COVID breathes. Like, like you just, like everything is a COVID symptom right now. They're like, are you breathing? Are you not breathing? Can you breathe easily or not easily? Does your head hurt? Does your stomach feel funny? Does your, is it there? Like everybody who's got COVID has a stomach. Like, yes. Like, but like, all right, whatever. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to behave. And so I stayed home and I'm like, all right, well then I'm going to watch church online and I'm going to, you know, be there and, and minister to everybody there. And, and so I'm, I'm serving online and then night comes and I am feeling just lousy, which is just really strange for me. And Amanda and the kids make it home and we have dinner and she prays for me and I go to bed early. I'm like, whatever, this, th today was overrated. It didn't feel right. Let's go to sleep and wake up tomorrow. It'll be a new day. And so go to sleep. And I wake up, and it had not left. I'm like, well, this is dumb, but life will go on. And so I'm um, like, but we were, we were supposed to go somewhere until the governor shut it down. But nonetheless, we, were, we had plans. So I went and got scheduled a test. I'm like, all right, I'll get tested so that if I'm um, actually, I can be cleared to go somewhere or I cannot be, but we'll know. And then... Uh, it's coming up towards 7 a.m., and so we're going to lead 7 at 7. If you haven't been a part of a 7 at 7, well, you should join us. 7 a.m., wherever you're at, you can join us either on our website, Facebook, or YouTube, and we, uh, Mondays, we'll pray together, and the rest of the time, we've got a word of encouragement, confession, and prayer together. So, anyway, so we're, we're, we get on there, and we're praying with everybody, and we're having a good old time, and then we get to the, the close, and at the close, um, I was praying over, over everybody. We'd been praying together, and I was going to pray over everybody online. But when I was praying, something, I don't know why, but instead of praying for them to be healed, which went, it was like, all right, God, I thank you that we are healed. And it was just a declaration, and I declared it, and I felt something shift, something break inside. And by the time I, I reached the test there shortly, um, a few hours later, and it was... I, I was fine. Everything had changed. Your parents are not on the stage. Um, but Jake's right there, and he'll help you out. Um, so, so I... <laughs> I but it, it began to... begin to catch that something was different. It began to, to shift. All right. Miss Kimmy is coming to save the day. All right. But 
I begin to look and go, okay, this is, this is a thing where, where God speaks God speaks a promise, and it's done. And many times the promise, when the promise comes, there's a battle between the promise and the miracle. And I discovered that many times we look and we go, hey, you know what? I got a promise, and I didn't see it. And we pitched the miracle. Because see, when, when I was reading in, in Joshua, there's, there's this amazing encounter. First, he's got a promise in Joshua chapter 1 that, that, that's, that's powerful. He goes and says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. So this is a powerful promise that comes to him, but this promise was also a promise that was available to Moses. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But So he's got this promise. Then comes Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua 6, he's got this, this, in, this divine encounter. And, and he goes through and he, and he gets this word from the Lord. And the word says in uh, Joshua 6, 2, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with this story. If you're, if you're not, the children of Israel are about to enter the land called the promised land, the land that was promised to them. However, there is a problem. The problem is a whole bunch of people who are already there who don't want to give it to them. And there's the big old walled cities. There's giants. There's all this different stuff. And they're like the generation before hadn't made it in. So these guys come and he goes, hey, I have given it to you. He says, I have, past tense, given, past tense, Jericho into your hand. Verse three, you shall march around the city. Okay, so have, given, both past tense. Shall, walk, future tense. It just seemed backwards because there's still a wall. There's still a city and you said, I have given. But wouldn't it make sense to say, hey, you shall go walk and it will be. Because when we go to put past tense in the future, we say it will be. But he says, I have given, you shall go. And, and so it's just like, like, wait a second. So what happens here? God tells him that it's his. God gives him a promise, but he has to go out and fight a battle. Now it wasn't a battle on his own. It wasn't a battle for him trying to earn it because if he was to try to take on Jericho in his strength, in his might, he would be trying to come up with explosives, with um, something to take down these walls. He'd been trying to pray for God, give me a formula to make something that'll blow up or help me build engines, things that'll throw big rocks or knock down things because we have a, a city to siege. But God goes, all right, I have given. Now I want you to go walk around the city once a day for six days. And then a seventh day, walk around it seven times. This is my brilliant battle strategy. And then, when you've marched seven times around the city, yell. Open your mouth and you yell because it's yours. And it'll fall. Like you hear that and you're like, 
if you grew up in church, you're like, well, yeah, that's what they do. If you didn't grow up in church, you're like, what kind of a ludicrous plan is this? Walk around in circles till they get dizzy? Like, what's going to happen? Like, it doesn't even make sense, but this is what God tells him to do. But he goes, he does it, and the walls come tumbling down. God gave him a promise, but after the promise came a battle, and then came a miracle. But the battle wasn't a battle on his own. It was a battle in the strength of the Lord. It was, a, it was a battle not to earn it, but to walk out what God said was already his. And see, the, here's where, where there's a problem is for so many of us, we hear a promise and we go, you know what? The Bible says that by his stripes, I am healed. Or actually, it says you were healed, past tense. But so often we look at it and we go, great, I'm excited. I have a promise. And then we go, do I feel better? No, man, my headache's still kind of there. Guess it didn't work. What would have happened if Josh would have been like, yeah, God's given us the land. He walks in and goes, oh, there's a wall. It's still there. What would have happened? I can tell you what would have happened. Because if you rewind 40 years, it's what happened. See, so remember, Moses had the same promise that Joshua started with in Joshua 1.3. But when, when Moses showed up, he sent some spies. The spies go in, 12 spies. Two of them go, this is awesome. God's given us the land. 10 of them go, there's walls, there's cities, there's big people. This isn't going to work. They come back, they tell the people, and the people go, mm, yeah, we have a promise, but did you see the city? Did you hear about the city? Did you hear about the big people? Did you hear about my symptoms? Did you feel this? Did you realize that I still have a problem? I don't think we can do it. You know, they were, they were really hoping that God's promise would come with a big wind and blow everybody away before they got there. They wanted it to just be like, a, oh, I have a promise. You mean I'm just going to walk up and everything's going to be there right there? It's going to land in my lap? And they're like, oh, no, there's a battle to fight. And they're like, oh, forget this. We'd be better off dying in the desert which is stupid. Okay, just point this out. I'm afraid if we go there, we could die. Let's stay here and die. <laughs> because this is so much better. Anyways, but this is my point. They had a promise and they saw a battle and they turned back and they got nothing. And there are so many Christians today, they go, God, I heard you have a promise for me. And then they look at it and they go, oh, but there's a battle. Oh, I guess I'm done. And they begin to walk away and they begin to turn around. They begin to go home. They begin to go back and they go, well, I guess this promise wasn't for me. I guess his promise is only for somebody else. I guess God stopped fulfilling his word years ago. I guess this is only for those back in the New Testament. I guess all miracles ended in the book of Acts because I didn't see something because I saw a battle in front of me and they just let go of the promise. But I have news for you. It has been accomplished. By his stripes, you were healed. That we can lay hold of his promises, that we can lay hold of his word. It has been done. But just because it has been done, you may have a role to play. And this gets confusing because people go, well, don't I receive it by grace? Yes, you receive it by grace. But then they go, well, how can I have a role to play if I receive it by grace? If I have a role to play, isn't that me working to earn it? No. If you try to work to earn it, you will never achieve it. You know what this is? Can you see it? No, it's not a credit card. Next guess. 
What? Gift card. card. Brilliant. Okay. The gift card is a strange thing. Who's ever gotten a gift card? Who's ever lost a gift card? Yeah, that stinks. Okay, sorry. But here's the thing. When someone gives you a gift card, they spend the money. The money has been spent, right? This is now paid for for me. But if I do nothing with this, do I benefit from it? If I'm trying to be kind to the person who gave it to me because I don't think they can afford it, do I save them money by not using it? But a lot of us take this promise from God and go, but I don't deserve it. Someone else needs it more. And we sit here with this card that says it is paid for, it has been accomplished, afraid to apply it, and we go, but, 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 but there's not a coffee in my hand. You said you gave me free coffee. We'll walk up to the counter. Put your order in. But I couldn't earn it. You don't have to earn it. I paid for it. But they didn't bring it to me. But I paid for it. And there's this, like, we argue back and forth, but it's, <clears throat> it seems stupid when you talk about it with a gift card because gift cards all make sense to us. You're like, you paid for it. It's on the card. I just walk up. I'm going to order what I want, and then I'm going to hand them the card, and it's going to be charged to your account. Well, God already paid for it, and he tells you that here's a promise, and here's what's yours. Here's the card. I already paid for it. My blood pay, was, was spilled to pay for your forgiveness. My, I received stripes so that you could be healed. You are redeemed. And he goes through and he's got all these different things and he goes, here it is. It's paid for. It's finished. It's for you. Will you stand up and you go, oh, but there's an enemy. Oh, there's a symptom. Oh, there's a pain. He goes, yeah, yeah. Then stand up, declare it and go, oh, here's my pay. My pay isn't that I earned it. My pay isn't that I read my Bible enough. My pay isn't that I was good enough. My pay is that he did it. He accomplished it. He took my place so that I can be healed, so that I can be whole. It's for me and it's for you. If, uh, Pastor Duane said this a while back. He said, most of us are living well below our promise and provision. That God, that God's given it to us, but most of us have a stash of gift cards somewhere. And I, I physically had a, had a stash of gift cards. It was the saddest thing was I, I discovered one of them that I, I thought was gone, lost. And I was like, oh, that's so good. I would have loved to eat at that restaurant. And then found out they closed the restaurant. Like, duh! Maybe there's one in another state. I'll find it. But anyways, the, a lot of us have, have things that God paid for that are for us that are in a drawer somewhere that are laying unclaimed. Already paid for, the price has been paid. But we're sitting there going, man, I wish I could receive that promise. I wish that I was healed. I wish that I had freedom. I wish that I could sleep at night. I wish that I could have freedom from fear. I wish, and we got all these, this, these lists of things that we wish for, the things that are, that are given us. 
And it's so easy to do. And it's, it's not enough to know it. Because I can know that I have a gift card, but does that help me? I'm going to have to use it. I, in fact, I shared some of this uh, at a 7 at 7 week and a half ago. And my speaking coach, I, I've got a speaking coach. He's awesome. Thank you, Chad. If you're, actually, Chad's going to watch this. So thank you, Chad, because he's going to watch it and tell me how I could have done it better. But anyways, Chad's amazing. And Chad got on to the 7 at 7, and it just so happened that that day that he, he got on, he was not feeling well. He had just done a, a really long weekend and doing uh, some ministry stuff, and he got on, and he was, had a headache and had some different issues and just wasn't feeling good. And he sat here, and he said he watched it, and he goes, I know that. That's true. I need to declare what's mine. Hmm. And so he did. He's like, nope. You know, these symptoms, you got to go. I'm healed. By his stripes, I am healed. And he began to speak to the mountain. He began to declare what God had done for him. He began to declare that it was done. And he felt better. And, and it's this amazing thing that just because he knew it didn't make it happen, he actually had to step out and do it. See, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says, in, in, his, in his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same mighty strength that he exalted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heaven, the heavenly realms. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. If you have made Jesus your Lord, if you've received him as your savior, he has put the same power in us. And yet we often go, I don't have it. I don't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Oh, I prayed once, but I still see a city. I still see walls. I still feel symptoms. And so we let it go. But throughout the Bible, we see these different spots where there's promises and someone has to fight the battle to receive the promise. It's not a battle on our own. It's not a battle to earn it, but we're going to stand up and we're going to declare it is mine. Why? Because Jesus said so, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to see it so. See, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God's glory. He says that He raised us up and seated with Him in heavenly places. It says in Ephesians 1.3 that God blessed us... Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. This is, this is amazing. There is so much. But just being promised doesn't make it attack you. Doesn't make it land in your lap. See, in... Um, let me skip. Somewhere in my notes, there's David. Okay. It's in there somewhere, but it's also in here. So we'll just skip to here. So in 1 Samuel, actually, if you go back before 1 Samuel, there's a promise in Genesis chapter 12 that is given to Abraham that God would, be, would bless those who bless him and would curse those who curse him, that he would oppose the enemies of 
of Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, he marked that covenant with circumcision and said that this covenant is for you and for your descendants. So we have this promise then in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He promises again that those that come against them, that they would rout their enemies, that they would flee from them. And so there's these promises of protection, of deliverance that are for the Israelites. Fast forward into, wee, into 1 Samuel. Sorry, I need that. All right, so you're going to fast forward into 1 Samuel. And there's the enemies of Israel. So Israel is there and they've got the Philistines that have come to oppose them. The Philistines have this giant who comes out. This giant is six cubits in a span, roughly nine foot nine inches tall. It's kind of big. And so when he comes out, he defies the armies of Israel and everybody panics. <clears throat> Apparently this mic, hopefully this mic likes me better. Hello. Okay. So everybody is just panicking because there's this massive guy who's, who's come up there, who is their opposition. And as he begins to, to throw out this challenge, all of the Israelites have the same promise. But you know what the Israelite men do at the battlefield? They run. In terror. Says it twice. In, in, in verse, chapter 17, verse 11 and verse 24. It says, Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistine and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then in um, verse 24, it says that they fled from him and were much afraid. And then David shows up. David isn't even a, a soldier. But David knows his promises. Because see, when, when David sees this guy come out, everybody else is all afraid, and he turns and he goes, what will happen to the man who kills this uncircumcised Philistine? And that was not a rude remark. It was a reference to the covenant that they had. And he goes, I have a covenant promise with God as one of Abraham's descendants. He doesn't. The promise says that those who come against God's chosen people, Abraham's descendants, that they will be routed and that God will protect us. And he goes, who is this? What is this? Who's going to do something about it? He goes, stands before the king who's big and who's tall. And he goes, hey. <clears throat> you know, and, he, and the king looks at him and goes, you can't do this. Again, he makes a reference to it. And then he goes, the same God who delivered me from other things will deliver me from him. And the, the king tries to go, well, do it like me. And he goes, I don't need to do it like you. I can't be you. I can't wear your armor. It doesn't fit me. I haven't tested it, but I'm going to go in the strength that the Lord gave me. And when he goes to face the giant, he doesn't say, hey, giant, you're bigger, you're stronger, but I'm faster. He doesn't say, you have a sword and a spear, but I'm a really good shot with a slingshot and can hit you from further away. Sucker! Like, th there wasn't any of this. He comes against him and Goliath goes to him and he goes, hey, what is this? You think I'm a dog? You're coming at me with sticks and stones? He's like, I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. David's response was so telling. He goes, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He goes, he doesn't say, I have this, I have the other. He goes, I have a promise. And my promise is greater than my enemy. But he doesn't say, I have a promise, so fall over. Because that's what a lot of Christians do today. They're like, there's a promise. Enemies, fall over. <gasps> it didn't happen. Must not be God's will. No, but for real. 
And I, I say it kind of funny, to, to, but, but that's where so many of us have been, where it's go, hey, I, there's a promise, and I just wanted it to happen. If it didn't happen, I just said, oh, it must not be God's will, or oh, it just must not work for me, or oh, I just must not. And he goes, oh, well, there's a giant. He didn't go, oh, there's a giant. I better do nothing. He goes, there's a giant. There's a promise. Let's stand up. Let's go against it because it can't stand against the promise of the Lord. And he stands up against it. <clears throat> he makes his declaration. He puts a stone in the sling. He puts his faith in God. He swings the sling and down goes the giant. And he fulfilled the word as he stood on the promise. And he began to step out in faith and say, God is enough. And when I step out, I can begin to see God do what he said. Because God's word is true. Because God is a healer. Because God is a redeemer. Because my God is for me. Who can be against me? And he goes, I'm going to stand on his word. But over and over again, you see promises. And there is something between the promise and the miracle. And if you let go in between the promise and the miracle, you end up with nothing. Naaman showed up. Because he had leprosy. He had a nasty skin disease. And he shows up before the prophet of the Lord because he heard that the Lord God of Israel could heal even leprosy. And he goes through and he goes, all right, give me a word. And he gets a word from the prophet. Actually, he wants a word from the prophet. And the prophet sends out his servant. And the servant says, oh, go dip in the dirty river. And he goes, but, but I'm great. And then check this out. He says, <clears throat> surely I thought. I thought he was going to come out and he was going to wave his hand over the spot. Surely I thought it was going to go this way. And so you know what he does? He gets mad and he packs up to go home. That's so stupid. Can't believe this. Wants me to go wash in the dirty river. That's the dirtiest river in the world. If I had to wash it over, aren't all the rivers of Damascus better than this? And he just starts going on his rant. And, and one of his servants just lets him rant and rant. And then he's like, you know, if he'd have asked you to do something really complicated, like if you want to be healed, you need to shoot a bear. You need to bite it. Like, just something weird. He'd have been like, I man, I will conquer, I will achieve, I will earn my miracle. He goes, if you do that, why don't you just do this like simple thing? This little act of obedience. He's like, fine. Go wash the dirty river. Goes in the dirty river and he, he dunks. And he was supposed to wash seven times. And it, he keeps dunking once, twice, three times, four times, five times. And nothing seems to be happening. But he dunks seven times and he comes up and he's healed. But I think I've been guilty before of going, well, I didn't see it. Surely I thought that it would happen this way. Surely, I thought that as soon as I saw the promise, it was just going to fall in my lap. Surely, I thought that when I dipped in the river the first time that I would see a change. Surely, I thought. But he said, no, I have a promise. It has been done. 
it has been accomplished. And he followed through and faced the battle. And his battle wasn't him earning his miracle by chasing some elusive animal. It was simple obedience. And when it was done, he received his miracle. I begin to look and go, it has been done. These promises are for me. They have been accomplished. It's time to stand on his word and to see it done. See, Matthew, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that which he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and you will, and it will be yours. Okay, there's some promises. There's a promise that says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, I believe that there, that there is some people here and there are some people that are watching with us right now online who have been wishing for their miracle. They have been glancing at promises. They have been waiting, but the, the promise didn't fall into their lap and they've given up hope. They've given up and they said, well, maybe someday I will. But he said, it is done. You are healed. And we're going to pray because I believe there's some people right now that need a miracle. I believe that there's some people who need to receive it. I believe they need to declare it. I believe that they need to stand on God's word and receive some of them. It's healing. Some of them, it's provision. Some of them, it's freedom from anxiety, depression, fear. I believe that there's some health issues. There's some medical different things that have been going on for a long time that need to be healed. I believe I have a list of some of these. But it's time to take our eyes off of our problem and fix them on our God and declare our miracle and receive it. You see, Peter, Peter walks on water. He's in the middle of a miracle. Jesus called him out and he begins to walk on water and walk through and experience the miracle. But he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at his storm. And when he took his eyes and focused on the storm, he sank. It's time for us to stop sitting here looking at the walls in the city going, oh, I wish I had the promise. And it's time for us to fix our eyes on the promiser and on the promise and to go, it is mine. It is accomplished. It's mine, not because I'm perfect, but because he said it's mine. Because he paid, because he paid the price. I'm not going to let this sit in a drawer. I'm going to receive what Jesus paid for for me. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two things here because there are those of you... uh, Tonight, it's yours. You're going to receive healing. You're redeemed, made new. Cancer is going to go. There are miracles that are going to happen in some different bodies. And we're going to, but I can't, the most important promise and miracle that God gives is the miracle of forgiveness. And before we go through and we're going to quickly um, see some people set free, see some miracles come to pass. If you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, that is a promise that is available for you. But just because he paid the price doesn't mean that you've received it. He says that whoever calls in his name will be saved. And I want to give an opportunity for people to respond to Jesus. So if you're here 
go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're watching online, no one can see you anyways. So, um, but if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, say, today, I want to be right with God. I want to give him my heart and give him my life. I want to receive the forgiveness that he paid for, for me. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and you can put up a hand in the chat. One, two, three. Awesome. See your hand. Who else says, that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Who else says, that's me? Most important decision that anybody ever makes. Awesome. All right. Whether you're here or online, we're going to do what God said. We're going to call on his name. So I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to invite you to repeat after me. And if you've already done this before, then go ahead and declare it with us. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Today, I choose to live for you. I declare that you are my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.